I've always had a lot of respect for artists, no matter their medium, who are always avoiding trends and just doing the work that feels right to them. If it makes them a millionaire, great. If it doesn't put a cent in their account, well, there's always different answers to that. But the bottom line is the work is done and something has been created. Today's guest is Billy Battle. He's someone I feel does his own thing and is highly in tune with himself and his creative skills. Feels like a decade ago, but back in 2019, I revamped my logo for my production company, The Ryan Road Company. I wanted something that resembled, well, me. Nothing flashy, but still makes an impression. I turned to Billy, who's a photographer and a graphic designer, and he got what I was looking for. The logo still will go on anything with my name on it to this day. Outside of Billy's creative endeavors, he's a pretty deep thinker about the world around him. I always felt that about him since we've known each other. This episode is an absolute treat for anybody always thinking outside the box. So with all that being said, welcome to the basement. So... Today on The Basement, I got a guy who we've swapped a lot of emails over the years. You've done we've done a little bit of business together and whatnot. Um, but I also want to start with, and this is just for maybe I'll screenshot this or if I do a little video plug for it and whatnot. I'm wearing a shirt with his face on it right now for the episode uh billy battle visual artist filmmaker what the hell are you not welcome to the basement i appreciate you having me here thank you (laughs) you're welcome um so (laughs) i do want to start with the shirt i'm wearing just because i just feel like i never really got to talk to you about it after you gave it to me like seven years ago um it's just a shirt with your face on it uh a lot of people have from one dude with a shirt uh, with his face on it to another. I have a shirt that I sell every November for No Shave November where it's literally a mug. Sh- it's not a mug shot, but it looks like a mug shot of me. And it actually was my driver's license photo. Um, why did you make this like, why did you make this shirt? <laughs> well, that design actually came from when I was a teenager in uh, high school. And like I was first dabbling with Photoshop and I had started this this line, it, it, it was a, it was a art line called Resistance, and pretty much it was nothing major or anything like that. It's just I made a series of like different art pieces that I made in uh, Photoshop, and that was just one of them. And I had dug it up one day, and then I just put it on a shirt. It really comes comes down to, I guess the the art of notoriety because that that's the thing with with especially with the uh, film industry and the artistic industry like you basically have a lot of things that are business oriented that also could be considered an art form like people get people do say like the greatest art form is marketing because that is how you sell your art that's how you get it across and more so that's how you put on a face and you sell yourself essentially so you can kind of see where i'm going with that pretty much it just comes down to uh a sense of notoriety that comes from just just showing off like who you are or like what you are or just if that even matters (laughs) and that's really the question of it because you'd be surprised to find a lot of people have that shirt (laughs) just random people. And the point is, is that I send the, those out just for the sake of whatever that person wants it to be. You know? And I, I'm not trying to short you here, but you didn't charge me money. Are you, are you charging anybody else money on that? Nope. Dude. Hell yeah. Amen. Like, no, cause it was all right. Like, I mean, I know this is maybe unorthodox way to start the show. I'm talking about a shirt I'm wearing with Billy's face on it, but I, I think I just moved to Florida and, you know, I know you're still up in Connecticut, right? Yep. 
Yeah, I, I you know, I'm for from the, the time North, being. For the time being, all right, might 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 touch on that. Um, yeah, I, I just moved down to Florida. I feel like I was still trying to reconnect to people from up there that were creative people that just, you know, I, I kind of was interested in their work and whatnot. And you would just put it up on Facebook. Anybody want this shirt or something? And I was like, there's something about that shirt that feels like a, like a Warhol, Andy Warhol kind of thing. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm really looking too far into it, but I was just like, yeah, give me it, send it to me. And you did. (laughs) And I don't know. It's just like, I, what I was trying to get at is I go places now and I rock this shirt and people like look at it and go like, who is that? I know. I'm like, ah, oh, it's just this, uh, this like, you know, filmmaker, this, this visual, this artist from up in uh, Connecticut, his name is uh, Billy battle. And they're like, yeah, I don't know who that is. And I'm like, well, you do now. <laughs> no, that that's, that's no, that, that's kind of a cool way of looking at it here. And you kind of explain it after all these years, but, um, jumping ahead I, and it's okay. If you absolutely do not remember, um, do you remember how the, you and me met? Uh, it, it was at uh, Middlesex community college and pretty much like, I, I can't remember the function, but it was basically like an involved a, a film meetup, I guess. Yeah. Pretty much like I had met you there and like we exchanged business cards and yeah, that's how it went. Yeah. Cause I remember those. All right. I didn't know if you did. Cause I remember these, uh, I think I still have a stack of those cards around, but I, um, it was a big film networking event. And I think we were there cause I was with like three other people and we were plugging a project that never got made, but you know, that's how things go. But you were in like, I think your card had you in like location scouting. Yep. <laughs> were you- it's like, actually what connects with that is that, um, I attended that event and I believe that was after I attended FITP. And that was a film industry training program, FITP, that was taking place at Quinnipiac University in, a, I think it's a Hampton, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And that was over a decade ago at this point. But pretty much uh, I had I'd went to there and then like I networked obviously there. And I believe it, it was, I think it was either Marty Lang or uh, another friend of mine, like like in Marty, he was the go-to guy in Connecticut at one point, and pretty much like I went went there. It was just a networking event, and I passed around my business card. And at that time, like I trained at the program to do location scouting. But the problem with location scouting is not a, it's not a desired job. It's not a job that everyone or you can find work easily in Connecticut. So like, that's when like I switched to different things and now I do AD work. Yeah, no, I, th- I think I remember you and I talking about assistant directing stuff a few years back, but as a location scout, like I, I, I kind of always admire that um, title, but I know nothing. I mean, I don't want to say I know nothing about it, but like, can you break down like logistically just for the audience, like what you go through as a location scout? Okay, well. I'll, I'll tell you the job title and I'll tell you a story. All right. Uh, film school right here. Okay. So when you're a location scout, you're tasked with finding different locations for that production. So if that production requires you to find a house, the pre-production and in pre-production, you would be out there hitting the ground running, trying to find a house that you can film in uh, that it ranges from different descriptions and different wants and different uh, schedules for the, that works within the, the time constraints of the production. And pretty much at, at that point, and like this, this is diving into being a location manager. If you're a location manager, you would be on the production and you would be overseeing the location to make sure it's maintained and making sure that you're out in and out in a timely manner and you're leaving it just as you entered it. So pretty much not leaving it like like spray like spray painted or all that stuff, basically just leaving it in pristine condition. And uh, the story that I have is that uh, I remember doing location scouting in uh, New Haven, Connecticut, for a indie like a any project. It was a movie, and uh, pretty much like I was the location manager for that. 
and that was kind of like an experience type thing and there was a a group of, of guys across the street and they were like being loud and stuff like that and they were drinking on the porch and stuff and like <laughs> they were halting production because we were filming outside so they had sent me over there because I'm the location manager I mean they could have sent somebody else there I mean like a PA or something but they sent me and they were like on the porch drinking and everything like that and the last thing they would want is a person to just come up to them and say, Hey, you, you can't do that. That's, that's not proper. This is new Haven. Was this Yale or something? It wasn't Yale. It it was like in, in the slums of new Haven. pretty much. (laughs) Okay. So like, you, you know, the type of of people I was dealing with. So I I, I went there and the first thing I did was they like I, I went up to them and walked up to them and then I, I didn't say anything. And they they told me, uh, I guess you want us to stop like talking or all this stuff. And I said, no, I want to join you. So I went onto the porch and like they I, like I joined them and they, they were drinking and stuff. I drunk a little bit. Technically, you're not supposed to do that, but whatever. It's an indie and, project. And, and pretty much like I had started drinking with them. And they were they were keeping and they were keeping themselves down like they weren't talking as loudly. And then there was one guy and then he went to a corner store and like I had like bought him some more alcohol. And then he told me right outside, like like before, like we I like we parted ways. I said, since you bought me this, I'm going to tell my my boys to be quiet. And pretty much like that worked and they weren't quiet. They were quiet for the whole entire day. And they were actually just watching the scenes that were happening and filming outside. So typically like that's how like you would want it to go. You wouldn't want things to be like hold to production. And that story is leading into me becoming like an AD and just trying to be like, be like in control of production and make sure like everything goes to a t- in a timely manner. So it's experiences like that that made me think, huh, maybe I should do AD work. So, yeah. Yeah, because AD work is like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I've just seen ADs in action. It's like you guys are problems. ADs, assistant director for anybody who's not a, you know, I've never worked on a film set, which I know there's somebody out there, but um, ADs are kind of like the problem solvers of the set that, you know, by any means necessary, keep things going which exactly. is a perfect example of what you just did. Damn. Like you, that's like the coolest thing I've ever heard. That's the coolest thing I've heard like all week, dude. <laughs> oh, that, that's, that's one of many stories. like, obviously like, I, like doing that plus years of doing PA work, because like, that's the one thing. And I, like anyone that's aspiring to be an AD don't just jump into AD work because yeah. And, and this is the, the, one thing I would mainly emphasize for anybody who's out there that wants to be in the industry, don't, don't crap on the PAs no. pretty much like, like respect that work, respect the fact that they have to do that and, and grind and struggle just to get to the jobs that they want. And, you know, when, you, when they finally do get to that, to that, that echelon of, of above the line, pretty much like they or even even just the the top of below the line pretty much for for ad's i guess in in this consideration it takes a a great understanding to know what pas go through to respect that and to manage your team properly because ad work and there's another backstory you are in charge of production there are different teams on a on a production team and you're in charge of production that means that you have the assistant directors, whether it's the first and second, uh, a production manager, and they're basically in charge of like the the ads and and not even the ads, the, the pas, and then you have the pas. So the point being is that you're managing this team within managing the whole entire production and knowing the ins and outs of what's actually happening, and the best way to do your job effectively is to know your team. Don't shortchange anyone. Don't think that you're, you're greater than everyone. And that's, that's a, a lot where a lot of teams falter. And that's the reason why you have the, 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 am I allowed the curse up here? 
please go the fuck ahead, man. <laughs> then you have the shit shows, basically. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. Have you like? I mean, I you've done PA work. I take it. Like, have you ever, even if not even as a PA, but like, let's almost go with the reverse opposite of that situation, New Haven. Like, has anything gone absolutely catastrophic for you? Uh, if you don't want to share, it's fine. But I thought I'd throw it out there. <laughs> well, I have well, some stories too. Well, the, the, there was there was one time in New York, and like it involved. Let let I'm just gonna I can't really talk about it, but let's just say it involved the court case. I can see why you can't really talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so pretty much like it's it, I've had my ups and downs when it comes down to PA work, and like depending on how it goes, because like leading into like what I said earlier about being in Connecticut or not being in Connecticut for very long, what I'm planning on doing is moving to Georgia. And yeah. starting fresh and new out there and basically building up my reputation out there. And that's going to evolve learning the locations and learning the like the networking, the people that work out there. So it will it most likely involve PA work and I'll be right back there. But that's the thing with me. Like I like to be versatile and I le- like to learn from point A to point B. And then that's how things get perpetually better, at least in my case. No, I, I agree. And Atlanta's, uh, Atlanta's, I'm assuming Atlanta, if you're saying Georgia. Yes. Yeah. Atlanta's a hot spot. I've investigated up there a little bit for jobs and whatnot. Um, I did have, all right, since we're swapping some stories here, uh, and that's kind of what we do from time to time uh my this isn't like a pa nightmare story at all but i was in this i my background and you might know this about me i I worked in like broadcast television and whatnot and live tv while writing screenplays on the side and you'd think those two would kind those two paths would interject and they they still haven't so (laughs) um but i had like a six-day gig with espn um, freelance as a PA, but they, they call it runner on the, on, at least on this gig um, for like a, like an Ivy league, like basketball tournament in the Springfield, Massachusetts, not far from you. And um, it was me and this other girl who I found out later on was like a personal assistant for the RZA from Wu-Tang, <laughs> which I thought was cool. Cause I love Wu-Tang. But oh, I got a I got a story after this. All right, hold to. on. <laughs> um, uh, but like my, she was a very pretty girl. She was she was you know like so you and you have an entire crew on this broadcast for five days of men, men in their forties, away from their wives. They are just bombarding this girl. And you know, honestly, like you know, we were always doing two different things. I never really talked to her. Um, well, I did, but like we'd hang out from time to time, but the craziest thing ever, and it's just being a PA, you have to do things that are just unexpected. And I've had crazier PA stories. For some reason, this one always sticks out to me. Um, when the teams would be coming and going from the hotel room into like the arena to the locker rooms, they'd walk past like kind of like our, our headquarters where we'd be sitting at with walkie talkies and, um, like a trainer on the team was relentless i could just as a guy i saw him building up the courage to ask her out like he was just every time he walked by i'd stop and talk to her for 15 minutes and it would go over her head all the time and like finally like after the third time because this team like made it to like the finals i was like you know he's gonna ask you out soon like you know it's gonna happen she's like i'm not interested at all and i I was like well you got to turn them down. I mean, the team's from New York. Like, you know, you just got to tell them it's not going to work out or something. She's like, I can't, I can't, I can't. You have to do something. You have to step in. I was like, yo girl, I barely know you. (laughs) But (laughs) So it was like the finals and like the team lost. And I watched it. I watched it happen. Like I watched her, him kind of like approach her and everything. And like, he was, I saw him zeroing and like, just, just as a guy who, you know, asked a girl out before I, I, I know the, and he seemed like a nice guy, but she wasn't interested. And I like, 
she just kind of gives me a look back, like, get me the hell out of here. And like, right as I think he's about to drop the, let me get your number thing. You know, I just like radioed her, but like hid. So like, he didn't see me radioing her. It's like, Hey, need you over here or something. And she's just like, gotta go. And I was like, Oh man, I broke this guy's heart. Like, you know, without even him really knowing he never got to ask her out. Uh, yeah, that's my story of dashing, uh, some guy's dreams. Anyway, what's your story about the RZA? <laughs> well, it's not a story about the RZA, but to to add to your to your story, um, it it is tough when when you're on a, a production and you you see somebody that you fancy, you see somebody that you, you basically want to yeah. want to start a life with, and and you see the the whole like the, the the beginning of up or something, like pretty much like it's it's <laughs> beginning of up. You, you you want that 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 future but you have to keep in mind why are you there yeah you know and and you have to keep in mind that people work all the time and with multiple people mm-hmm. on different productions throughout the whole entire year so basically most likely like that person has already got somebody or like they are just focused on the hustle yeah. because that's that's the case with that so like if you're if you're looking for that i'm sure there's a dating website for film people yeah I'm that, sure if, that does, if that doesn't exist i mean that's a million dollar idea right there dude but <laughs> that, that's that's the case with that but I, it's not a story that pertains directly to the rizza or anything like that it's just a rapper story but i remember being a pa for um a production and and it was like in uh, new york like it was all around new york and pretty much like with that production it was traveling from state to state and like it was like on the it was, it was called on, on the run eating with nori and if you know the rapper Nor- like noriega like yeah pretty much okay like he he was he had his own like food show or, or something like that i really don't know but this job was like done as a favor for a a, a camera op that i know <laughs> And pretty much like it, it was them coming from Atlanta and they had some issues in Atlanta because some like stuff, like some stuff was taken from the van and they basically like needed some, some security. And it's not as cool as it sounds, but pretty much like throughout the whole entire time, I was like a PA for that. And you would think that, oh, I'm, I'm meeting all these rappers and stuff because he features rappers and stuff. And like, there was one time like he, like, it was one time like he featured a uh, fat Joe mm-hmm. and like, like as a PA, I was the security. So that means I, I was just sitting in the van. And then there was Eric Sermon. If you, if you know, Eric Sermon, and I was just sitting in so. the van. And then there's all these other rappers that, that come out of here. And yeah, I was just sitting in the van the whole entire time. And I remember like there, there was another PA friend and he basically said, yo, I just saw Jason Biggs. Yeah, he was with his wife. He was with, with with his kid and stuff like that. Like he was right over there, and I was like, "Oh, that must have been fun." Just sitting in the van, and, and yeah, and I remember Nori. He like I went to lunch and like I had to run up a street to to get my food, and like I ordered a fish sandwich, and basically he took that fish sandwich, and I had to take his food. So <laughs> that, that was a fun production. I bet. All right, man. That's some cool stories of being in the trenches yeah being i actually loved being a pa i i never really got on any bad sets i mean you do those occasional nightmare independent things in between maybe something big where i don't know but because sometimes i i I know that i know them very well (laughs) yeah and like you know i won't lie like you know if i have to do something if you know i've made things where it's just me and my friends and i try to kind of keep it of like you know it's me and my friends so like you know because sometimes you bring in an outsider they might think you guys are absolutely crazy Mm. but i've been on like i i i want to say like i worked on a lot of uh hip-hop videos and like those, I never knew what I was going to get going into it, but like I met a guy who loved my camera work, even though I didn't even never thought I was a good cameraman at all. I still don't even know jack shit about cameras, <laughs> which we'll get into in a little bit because I know you do a lot of great photography. But anyway, let's, 
I need to do a transition here. Um, you are obviously, you know, you work in, you've done a lot of work in film, but like, you know, you've done a lot of the, you know, day in and day out grinding of working on a film set, but like as an artist, you know, are you trying to like maybe make some stuff of your own right now outside of maybe some other things that I know you do? Are, do you got any, what are you working on? Not whatever you can tell me. Oh, let, let, let me, let me spin this into a story. <laughs> yeah. Basically in, in, in high school, I, I was the captain of my video production club. So like for, from a young age, I always wanted to work at some capacity in film. And for a long time, I didn't realize how I was doing that effectively because being a PA, being locations, being, being an AD, you're a part of that art, but you're not really creating that art. You're helping create that art and you basically are, are just facilitating that art process. So when the tw like 2020 happened, the pandemic, that's, that's when I had time to think to myself. And like, I had thought to myself, like, why did I start this in the first place? So for me, like I was always doing art and with, with my other website design, Jim and I making posters and other stuff like that. But even that, it just became a little bit mundane. So I wanted to transition into something that was just, it wasn't about money. It wasn't about trying to gain popularity, gain notoriety, or gain a following. It was just about creating art. And that's the reason why I started in the first place. It wasn't a matter of just wanting to, you know, work with The Rock or something like that. It was just a matter of wanting to create something that, that was mine because, like, I just didn't have that growing up, you know? So, like, I wanted to create something and just put it out there into the world, like, put it out there into the ether and... That's that's what inspired me to do like the, the infrared photography and diving into newer depths of creativity for, for myself at least and joining this community of people that want to do the same thing. And everyone has their own motivations, you know, whether it's selling prints or being featured on other pages and things like that. And like, like trust, it's nice to be featured. It's nice when people appreciate your art, but at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, and this is, this pertains to anything that you're doing art wise, why are you doing it? You know, because if you're doing it for money, that money probably won't come for, for decades, <laughs> like even longer than that. So you have to ask yourself really, why are you doing it? And that is what I've been asking myself, you know, for years. And that's why I do this. It's just because I want to, because I, I, I think it looks cool. And like, I want to not influence people, but show people that like, you can do this too, you know, just anything you want to do, because it's, it's very easy for you to get stuck and where you are and think that this is as good as it's gonna get, like this is what my life is. But I think there's more to that. And I'm still trying to find out that myself. I'm, I like to say that I'm a student of life and I like to learn as much as I can. I never wanna be a teacher, I always wanna be a student because I think there's more to learn and more to find and more to discover at that point. Because if you're a teacher, you, never, you know everything. So I don't got to tell you anything. So that's just me. That was a mic drop moment. Like we could have ended on that, but I still have some more questions. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, like, so, you know, as a visual artist, um, you know, you talk about, you know, influencing others and whatnot, like who's, who's made, who, or it can be multiple people. It can be multiple projects, whatever. What's had an influence on you? Uh, when, when it comes down to infrared, that's just something I, I looked up and I looked up different types of photography and like I saw infrared photography and I was like, that looks cool. 
(laughs) So I wanted, I want to do that. So there really isn't any main influences other than the people in my community with their pictures. And I look at that and say, "Hmm, maybe I should try something like that. Even with the uh, infrared videos and things like that, there are new ways that people are, are utilizing drone footage in infrared. So basically you're seeing all this foliage and everything in infrared colors and it's really freaking cool. Um, when it comes down to like Design Gemini, my, my other business and everything, the aesthetic from that comes down to, uh, that comes from me watching and going back to when I was a teenager, like I can name three movies that I've watched over 50 times. Right. And the first movie is Fight Club. I've watched that movie like over 50 times and I can legitimately say that I've, I've watched that over 50 times. Like I, it's not an exaggeration. I've watched that over 50 times. I've watched that every single day when I came, came home from school. What was and it about was, it? What, what about it just made you keep revisiting it? It was the anarchy. It, it was the fact that we do live in a, in a mad world where we have these structures in place and we really don't understand them. And we're, we're supposed to understand them. We're supposed to live in them without question. Like that always stuck out to me because as an artist, we don't live by that code. Like we basically do what we want to do. We, we make our own money. We have our own communities. It's basically like, it's, it's kind of like a, a phrase that I heard when I was younger is called underground thinking. And what that thinking is, is basically you're thinking beyond what normal people think. And that may, may label you, may, that may label you as an asshole, but, but at the end of the day, you still have your thoughts, you know, you still have your inspirations and things like that. But that was what attracted me to that. And like another movie was the big Lebowski. And, <laughs> And that movie inspired me because of the lifestyle. It's like a cool, calm lifestyle where a man can go to the bowling alley and think that's 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 life for him. Mm-hmm. It's like that's that's all he needs. It's like it's the simple things in life that we often overlook, and that's what I love about that. And another movie, and this is my like one of my like the it, one of, if not the favorite movie of all time, it's Blade Runner. And, and that movie, I've seen that like probably over a hundred times because like that movie, I, I kept on watching it and watching it. And I love the aesthetic, the, the dystopian type setting of Blade Runner. And that's what inspired the aesthetic of Design Gemini and like different futuristic aspects that I've had on my work pretty much. And also like the game Wipeout 2, but like that came down later in life. Wipeout 2, which one is that? No, it not Wipeout 2, but like just Wipeout. It's, oh, it's so, <laughs> well, wipe, I knew there was a game, but like, I didn't know there was. Anyway, what about it? What about that? Well, that game was was set. It's actually set in different years, depending on the game. And it's set in the future where anti-gravity spaceships basically are what is popular and relevant in the future. So the biggest sport on the planet is a game called Wipeout, where you essentially race your different teams across like a, a black race, but basically you're, you're racing against a intergalactic playing field. And basically like you're, you're either killing your, your opponents or things like that. It's basically like rollerball or like death race, Roll. but set in a futuristic setting. And that had different teams and everything like that. And that's what inspired me because like, it's, it's, it's cool to have different teams and different logos and their different aesthetics and things like that. And again, that's what I pulled from with design Gemini as well. So just the whole futuristic dystopian type setting, like you can tell my favorite genre is sci-fi. Yeah. I was going to say like, do you like something like Blade Runner? Cause I remember, I remember, I think I saw first time I saw Blade Runner was when I was like, just got out of high school and I maybe got into the mindset of like, it's this cool, futuristic, like, you know, sci-fi movie. And, you know, it is, but like, I'm expecting like very like fast paced, crazy action and whatnot. And no, there's the, every time I go back and I rewatch it, there's like a lot more of a deeper message going on about, you know, who we are. And 
I don't, I don't want to go too far down a wormhole on, you know, Blade Runner, but did you read, um, did you read the book? Uh, the, um, uh, do electric. Yeah. Uh, I, I read some of it, but like pretty much that one, I, I'm still, it's it's still on my reading list. Another one is, um, and I recently heard this, like you, you, if you followed the channel, red letter media, I've heard of it. Yeah. Pretty much like they did a, a, um, a review on Total Recall. If you know that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger that came out in 1990, and Philip K. Dick actually wrote a, a book that that movie was based off of as well. And yeah. I would like to read that as well. So pretty much like yeah, like it's it's interesting and like it pretty much is a dive into what makes humans human, pretty much, and, and like answering that question, what makes us us and deals with a lot of philosophical issues that we deal with on a daily basis because what makes us us what what is our identity why are we us and that's that's really deep in what I like to try to find as like for me personally as well because (laughs) we don't know who we are you know so I want to explore that as much as I can and I'm not trying to think of anything else but just self-discovery that's why i do what i do i feel you dude to tie it back to fight club i mean you were touching you were briefly touching on a i feel like a reoccurring theme on this show sometimes when i guess um because we we're all in that whatever you want to say we're at in the world with coronavirus i don't know if i'm beating a dead horse or not but um you know, so many people, I think, especially artists, creative people who always have an open mind. Um, when you kind of started seeing like holes being poked in society and all these like structured things in the world, and you realize it's still pretty flawed, like people are just kind of making this up as we go. Um, you know, does that mean we as human beings oh my god we're getting so fucking deep here tonight (laughs) um, no but like does does this does seeing how like easy easily these big things in society can just mean absolutely nothing to us like why should we be why should we worship these structure things structural things so much in life when it really is a really flawed thing i don't know if i just made any sense right there um, maybe you can piggyback off it, but why do all these things in life need to kind of define us when we're still trying to find out who we are? Because we told ourselves to. Okay, elaborate. Any more if you can. Well, why are you drinking that juice, like that juice that you're drinking? Because sometimes I'm drinking a body armor. Uh, um, I don't know. Sometimes when I like to record, I just. I don't know. I didn't, I, I couldn't grab a water. So I just grabbed this and I like to, my mouth gets dry because sometimes we're talking. And I feel like we'll be talking for a little while. So, but, but, but why are you drinking it though? Like that specific drink, why are you drinking it? Oh man. Um, I feel like I need to give you a better answer than this, but it's because it was in the fridge. There you go. The fact is, is that the structures that we have in society are in place because they seem to fit in that place. Yeah. The point being is that when the coronavirus hit, that basically disrupted that structure. Exactly. And you have you also have to think about the political indecisiveness that we've dealt with since 2016 that also disrupted the system and you have to think of all these disruptions that's happened and that reverberated around the the united states and just in the world in general and made things not as simple as they could be a lot of things were complicated such as simple interactions because you you might say hey what's up man What's up, man? Yeah. Like, why are you saying what's up, man? It's like, oh, I'm, I'm just saying what, what's up, man. It's like, 
that's offensive. The point is, is that what the downfall of our society has become is just because we make everything so goddamn serious. The point is, is that we we do things because we like them. It's like we yeah. do th- we say things because we think it's funny or we we want to express ourselves. But when you live in a world where you can't really do that without you being shunned or you being ostracized or you just feeling small, you're not going to say anything at all. And that's a cycle. So people do things because we're ultimately creatures of habit. We do things that we know. And when you you build off of things that are not allowed anymore, then that's enough to make a person go crazy. And then that, that craziness reverberates to other people. And then that reverberates to other people. And the next thing you know, you're dealing with a country filled with psychopaths. Yeah. People, it's just a matter of things being disrupted and people not being able to be them and in an ever-changing world. And they pretty much just feel like, what can I do? It's a, it's a sense of a, a loss of identity. And for the first time dealing with pure and utter struggle, it's basically like if you, if you know the teaching of uh, Nietzsche, basically struggle is what defines us and what makes us better and what makes us ready for that next level of understanding. And we are s- starting to understand who we are why we are what we are and what what can we do in the future and and some people aren't ready for that you know people want to stay in that bubble people want to stay in that bubble of understanding of just something that's normal you know and it's basically a a a war between how it was and how it is going to be you know and people are just trying to find their place in an ever shifting dynamic mm-hmm. this is a question i've been thinking about for a while it's the first time i'll ask it on the show like you and me are you know close in age i'd say what do you think things are going to be like when you and me are like in our 60s or our 70s if we make it that long i'm talking about like themes of what you're talking about right now like within society well th- there's a um a quote by um i believe the the person is a Voltaire yeah and the quote is we must cultivate our own garden and that story comes from a a story where he visits this land and like this is just basically me riffing I don't know it by heart I got you but he visits this this land and he he sees a political discourse that's happening and people are up in arms like people are are on each side just indecisive screaming at each other and like just not getting along not being friendly and not and not being civil and then you have a a muslim man and he lives with his family secluded on his own property and like he basically doesn't have a lot of land he doesn't own a lot of property but he tells the the gentleman that i don't pay attention to what's happening out there I focus on my kids. I focus on my garden. I focus on myself. You And he basically said that we must cultivate our own garden, meaning we need to focus on ourselves. Mm-hmm. We need to focus on you and yours. And I think that never changes. That never will change. The only thing that ever changes is the date. In the future, there's always going to be political indecisiveness. In the future, there's always going to be civil unrest. There's always going to be assholes that give you a hard time at the gas station. There's always going to be people there to scrutinize and and ostracize you and make you feel small if you let them. The point is, is that you need to focus on what's important in your life and mold that into something. Don't let that get you down and don't become a part of the problem because again, it's very easy to. So in, in going back to your question, I don't think much will change. The only thing that will change is the technology and the date. And 
people, there's always going to be those individuals out there that want to, you know, just focus on themselves, focus on their art. And those people are going to rise to the top and be the next great creators that, that came from us, you know, because we're all standing on the shoulders of giants. Dude. Amen. I don't, I don't, I know you said you're a student, but I think you'd make a really good teacher, but um, no, do you, do you think it's, you know, I I agree with everything you just said, by the way, but um, do you think it's harder these days to have so much focus on yourself when everyone's information and everyone's opinion is out there for us to see? Yes. But at the same time, this is a phone. Yeah. Right. Get rid of it. That's all you got to do. <laughs> My phone. I, I don't, I, especially when I do, uh, you know, when I'm recording, when I'm doing an interview, I, my phone's in the other room. I don't, I don't yeah, like, and, to, and like, and, that's and also I, out of respect I'm, for the guests too. So, and I've been telling people up and down on Facebook, like, it's just, if you want to reach me, do Instagram or, or, or text me because I'm not going to be on Facebook. I'm not going to deal with all those problems and all those issues that pop up because that brings me down. It's like, I want to keep myself up because this world is already tough enough for everyone that, that lives in it. So you need to set parameters for yourself and focus on yourself to better yourself and, and better your, better your artwork. I mean, like, why do you think I'm, I'm creating and taking all these pictures and making all this art? It's because I have no distractions. The only distraction that I have is my job, like doing like, like things for, for different companies and like working on their artwork, you know, and staying on top of that. I feel you. Yeah. You told me you weren't on Facebook. I, I don't want to jump into, cause this is just a really cool, deep conversation, but do you think something like Instagram is a little more positive than, I mean, I feel like it is, is positive than something like Facebook or Twitter? Uh, that all depends on who you follow. True. The point being is that all I follow is, is art channels and friends that basically follow me back. And if it ever gets to a point where they're bringing me down, then I, I have to tell them I'm going to unfollow you. Because I, I don't want that. I don't want that energy in my life. I don't need that energy in my life. And yeah, and like when it comes down to the uh, search function, and like they have a bunch of videos because like they're basically trying to be like TikTok with Instagram Shorts. They basically like the only thing that pops up for my recommended are like uh, like food things and like like videos with dogs and cats. It's like that's what I like to see. Like I oh, like yeah. to see videos where like a dog is basically saying like like hey what's up or like a row or like something like that it's just i think that's hilarious all right cool so i want to jump into your concept art you've done for like movie posters which is kind of when i reach out to you a couple of years ago to do a little bit of work for me um you just i remember you just started posting all these movie posters for films that i don't think existed they don't. Um, I just made them up. Yeah, you just made them up. And like, honestly, I was like, holy shit. And like, it kind of comes back to like how you've always kind of been on my radar because I feel like clearly just like how we've heard for the past 45 minutes, you always kind of do your own thing. And I think I respect that about you because a lot of you and me, you know, up from, you know, the New England film scene, there's a lot of people that like to make a lot of noise, but not a lot of product. I've seen not to yeah. not to <laughs> yeah. not to really talk shit here, but like that. I mean, I feel like that's in anywhere, whether it's Boston, New Haven, New York, or Los Angeles. That's just kind of how it is. But um, you're yeah, you were cranking out these movie posters, and I was like, oh, okay, damn. Like I I'd never I didn't know anybody who was doing that at the time, and you know, it's almost kind of like a typical like you know roger corman in the 1960s and 70s they'd make these movie posters and not even have the film made yet and i just thought it was kind of cool but how did you kind of get around to doing that okay well i'll give i'll give you backstory on design gemini yeah that that started as a speed art tutorial page and the the page is actually still up and on uh youtube 
but how it started was like it was a I can't even remember the first name that I had for it, but like it was essentially just me, me basically basically making speed arts of different art pieces and, and art landscapes that I wanted to make. And how that came into working on, with movie posters, like it, it just basically started out as Design Gemini was a concept that I had and it was a business that I started and basically like Design Gemini because like Gemini to go off topic a little bit ever since I was a teenager that's always been a symbol for for me and like the reason why it's been a symbol is because it keeps me on the straight and narrow it's basically like Batman whenever he thinks about why he does what he does I do what I do because you know it's important to to make that art even though people don't see value in it it's important to create that because at the end of the day, you're going to look at that and say, wow, I made that. So Gemini is just something that I utilize as a tool to get me to those areas. Mm -hmm. But with design Gemini, that essentially started out as a, a straight up business where I was making logos and, and flyers and anything like that. And then I started to get into to movie posters because like I was recommended by a, a friend uh, Alex and pretty much like I started doing that and I, I just made that like a, a a premium type service on the website along with everything else but then you have the old saying that that goes a, a jack of all trades a master of none so at that point like I started thinking huh maybe I should cut this other stuff out and focus on the posters so now that's that's what I what I did but now and like you you brought brought design gemini up and i've taken a brief hiatus with that because i wanted to learn and study different techniques because like i i look at other artists and i see what they're doing i'm like wow they they do some amazing things so i want to do that and like i want to make it a more legit business a a, a more business focus on a specialized a specialization on posters whereas like before i was just cranking them out like every day or so you know it's just like i want to yeah. have it like i, I want to have it as a quality over quantity thing so basically like that's that's where we are now with design gemini that is something that's being worked on behind the scenes and developing my my craft on that and then eventually I'll release that. It's basically going to be not movies that I made up, but based on existing properties and movies that are going to be coming out in theaters and doing that, like much like how I did with a Dune poster that I, I made, uh, I think it was like last year, like two, like 20, it was like 2020. I think I and it was like that, a yeah. Dune, a Dune pop, like a uh, concept poster. So like things like that, that's the direction that I'm going to be taking the company in going forward but basically there's a lot of other moving parts with that so i'm working on those now i'm, I'm sorry if you may have already answered this but when you uh like make a concept poster is this just coming out of your head through you know into however you're working it or are you like just give me an example off of one concept uh, poster you've done and like what what did you pull from for inspiration? Uh, well, easy. <laughs> I mean, going back to, to, to Blade Runner, like you you saw the the sci-fi things that I I, I pulled for, like I did for posters and things like that. Also, what helps is like a concept before you actually make whatever it is you're gonna make. But also, if you look at the the materials you have, like the like the assets, whether it's the stock photos or the type of fonts and it basically can be a challenge in a way because like you can say I want to make this with just this font so what can I do with just this font it could be like impact font or, or something like that like everyone knows that it could be comic sans how can I make a poster that works with this font and then I, I go from there it's like pretty much like you like as a designer and doing <laughs> like work for like Garnier and like all these other places and things like that, you basically need to do this stuff on the fly. 
they give you a concept so you are supposed to work within their own concept and that's that goes for all clients it's like they they have an idea you need to make that idea happen that's the mindset you have to have as a designer so when it comes down to doing my own work and stuff it's a little bit more easier because i don't have to work according to another person's concept i worked according to my own so that's that's if you compare it to that, it's fairly easy. <laughs> so that's that's what I like. Cool, man. No, it it so to go behind the scenes here a little bit. I reached out to Billy. I think back in 2019 when I was um, well, the logo you see on the podcast network on the RSS feed for the Ryan Road Company podcast network. He made for me. I needed an update, and I needed. At the time, it was just Ryan Road Films, but I only made like, you know, two film projects on my own. And I needed the streets. It was just a, like a street sign because I grew up in a neighborhood called Ryan Road. And but I needed something a little more mysterious that could maybe broaden things a little bit for me. And like, I, I guess I went to the right guy, clearly, because I'm still using the damn thing. And it, it definitely... I don't know. I just remember when you first gave me the early drafts for it. And I guess I'm just kind of plugging you a little bit to see if anybody wants to shoot you an email after this episode airs. But um, yeah, you just kind of got it. You knew I was going for something that felt very like a logo that seemed very like a 24, a little artsy, but not too art house. And I don't know. I just, I, I just feel like you have a good eye for if, you know, you give, you can get good direction on it from a client and whatnot. Like, I don't know if I gave you any good direction, but um, you nailed it. Let me just say that. That wasn't really a question. Well, like, and I'll, I'll give you a, a little bit of, of a behind the scenes thing as well. That was nothing <laughs> at the time. It's like, I've gotten so much better at that. It's not even funny because maybe we should like, talk again soon. <laughs> because working with different companies, whether it's Garnier or Sephora or different things like that, I'm given something that I have to make yeah. work for those companies. So pretty much I always have to think like that. It's like that is I've been doing that for like years. <laughs> so you can only imagine how well I've I've developed my skills up until this point. It's like my, my business skills and my artistic skills have grew since that point. Like I, I, I haven't been stagnant. I haven't been doing the same stuff. I've been developing my skills even more past that level. All right. Dude. I, like the only thing for me is that I just haven't shown it yet. It's like you, you've been seeing the infrared stuff. You haven't been seeing the other stuff. Nice, dude. Yeah, no, it was... I mean, the logo, the logo is simple in concept, but I just wanted it to be almost kind of mysterious. And that obviously you nailed it. I'm still using it to this day for anything else that's coming along that hasn't been released yet or whatnot. We'll see what happens in the new year. But he also did a concept art for a film that I can't really talk about right now because I'm it's floating around and I'm under some NDAs. So uh yeah, man. No, this was a great conversation here. This, this, I, it's got a little deep, but I definitely enjoyed it. And I think our listeners will enjoy it real quick. Do you like, I, I know you, you, you said, I think off mics, there's some things that you can't really talk about, but is there anything you can talk about that you got maybe coming down the pipeline? Um, in the immediate future, probably not. Because right now I'm working on moving to Atlanta and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm trying to, you know, like force my way into that because like I'm still in the, in the mindset of Connecticut. And like I have to remove myself from that mindset and place it down there. Because when, you, when you're basically comfortable and this, this is a, a, a thing that I'm trying to learn or a lesson that I'm learning currently, when you become complacent, that is the biggest enemy of progress. Mm -hmm. You pretty much need to get out of your comfort zone, push through that and, and become something more. So right now, that is what I'm doing with the move and with my art and everything, because I don't want to get complacent. I want to become better and develop my skills further 
and see what happens from there. And more importantly, love what I'm doing, enjoying what I'm doing, and not hate any aspect of what I'm doing, which pretty much could be summed up working on some gigs <laughs> back in the past. Because I, again, like, like the stories that I told, I got plenty more, not all of them good. Like I, I haven't even talked about the car crash. That's the one you can't talk about, right? No, like that. No, there wasn't. There was another one. I got time, dude. You. <laughs> well, like it's really nothing to tell. Like, I, like I was working on a production of Vermont, and I was driving on a dirt. Yeah, it, it was like in the in the boonies of Vermont, or like it was just up there. And I was driving, and like we, the production started at like at six a.m. or so. So I was going there early, and it was still dark out. And I drove on a dirt road, and I didn't realize it was a dirt road. I thought it was a pavement road. And then when I was driving, I was like, Shh. and then right in, right into the, 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 the side of the road, which was a dirt road. And like my, my front bumper was just hanging off at that point. And at that point, like I was, I was like, in your own car, in my own car. Oh, damn. And like, like I was, but then I still drove to work and worked that whole entire day. And yeah. That's how de- determined I was. That's how hungry I was. And good for you. The, well, it is good for me. Yeah. But at the end of the at the end of the day, that's something that you shouldn't have to do. You should always take care of yourself and, and look after yourself. And that's something that I'm trying to learn more so. And again, after, like with 2020, it's given me the opportunity to really reflect on things. So I I can go hard. I can be that tough SOB that basically don't stop, won't stop, and always gets the job done. But at the same time, you always have to think about yourself mm-hmm. and, and your health and, and just think about your mindset. Because if you have that mindset, then why are you really doing it? And again, it gets to that question, what are you? Dude, that, I think that's just like a defining um, mentality of millennials right now. We've just... I mean, and I feel like we're maybe passing that down on to a generation that's now coming up behind us, but I just feel like guy, men and women, our age, we're all just talking about like, no, we're, we want to, we want to take care of this. I'm hitting my head first. You know, we, we, we'd want to have a healthy mindset. And cause I mean, I feel like, I feel like there's generations that have come before us that just didn't give a damn about that kind of shit. So but, I don't know, yeah. but like they, I will, I will give the, I, I guess you can call them the boomer generation. I, I will, I will give them props because they dealt with a whole lot of other bullshit that yeah. we didn't have to deal with as well. So they basically didn't have the opportunity, at least for, 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 for people of my ilk, didn't have that same, gener- they didn't have those same opportunities to really find themselves to really, that's find a valid point. What, what they wanted to do. So more so for me, I owe it to myself. I owe it to my, my generation, my past generations to find myself because they basically crawled through the snow. They walked to, to, to power plants and, and, and dealt with horrible things just so I can be here. So again, like I, I, I want to honor that, that legacy by finding myself and, and putting out the best stuff possible. No, that, that that's a that's a good way at that's a good way of putting it. That, that's a good way of putting it. It's a good way at wrapping this thing up too. Um, if we want to look at your look at your work and whatnot, where can we track you down and uh, scope it out? Oh well, you can visit designgemini.com if you want to see the poster stuff or you can visit and like I'm more active up here, my Instagram page at Billy Peace from the East, which is basically a play on like, a, like, well, I, I can't even remember that anymore. Any, any, it's, it's, it was an inside joke thing. It's but a cool yeah. name. I will just say that. <laughs> but like, it's Billy Peace from the East on, on Instagram. And yeah, that's where you're going to find the bulk of my work that comes out. All right, cool, man. I will leave a link to those in the show notes of this show. Uh, 
Billy, this was a this was a nice cut. Co- this was a this was a fun conversation. I really want to thank you for coming on and plugging some of your stuff, but also just having like a deep conversation. I guess that was it was pretty cool, man. Thank you, thank you for coming on. Up oh, anytime. All right, and you guys know the routine. Like I see at the end of every episode, leave a rating, leave a review, leave a comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I don't know if anybody's listening to Spotify anymore because of the Joe Rogan thing going on, but, uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) all right, you guys take care. See you next week.